It's a new day in the workroom and we're back talking about Drag Race Down Under season two. Uh, last week we did a sort of high level view of all the queens, what we liked, what we didn't like about the season. So we're going to delve into more detail now on the challenges, the lip syncs and the looks. Let's start off with, um, yeah, the first challenge was the sewing challenge. I actually am a think that we shouldn't have a sewing challenge first because I think we end up losing queens who could be really good just can't sew. I completely agree with you. I think that it is like it, it has become like I mean in one respect I agree with you and another I don't because I think that sewing is a very 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 specific skill that not everyone naturally has and therefore mm-hmm. opening it up with that does just disadvantage people who for a variety of reasons can't or don't have that particular skill set and like it's not as easy as like oh do a couple of sewing challenges like it's not an easy skill to learn it's not a skill that you maybe can just so i do think it is a bit unfair but at the same time i do think the pool of people applying for this show is small enough and committed enough that they know that it's coming up first you make yourself a pattern you bring it with you you stick it together and you get out there and hope for the best you know like so that there is but a we could have lost spanky jackson in episode one this is very true you are right and actually like you know uh in the finale reese actually mentions that and i suppose like it mm. is something to think about in that but i guess like the way you, you like to, to peel peek behind the curtains i suppose is that the the producers are aware of kind of what more the queens have to give so i suppose there is mm. within that decision making take I, we can assume that at that stage in the first episode there's also potential taken into account so they're taking into account the kind of the what this queen may have to offer they're probably looking at someone to say like like faux fur and they're saying right you haven't done this well enough to like get into that top position and we don't know what else you have to offer so we're just going to make you annoying and kick you out the door it was that, that first episode really was the night of the black knickers really wasn't it oh, there yeah. was <laughs> everywhere everywhere Spanky <laughs> <laughs> jackson didn't even have pants on <laughs> yeah i don't know i just like even i like, look at miss Fangie and how she, you know she got kicked out but then she became such a star i i much prefer the sort of double luck challenges that uk opens with i think that's like a much better easier way to get to know yeah some of the queens no i would i would um, i would agree with that <clears throat> So the acting challenge, was, I don't know. This that was, we had cage queens. I'm trying to remember. We had our, we had our. Were they they went on the phone. The Irwins didn't pop up on the phone. They they no. They 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 had like a full camera crew filming that. Okay, okay. And why why couldn't your man? What was his name? Robert Irwin say fuck it up. Does he not swear? I think that they are like they're very wholesome, family friendly yeah. kind of thing. And I was like, okay, you know the movie. I, be- I can't say it, Rue. You're gonna have to say it yourself. <laughs> Right, okay. Maybe they didn't want to offend the platypi that were nearby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Can somebody please think of the platypi? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have much to say about Caged Queens. I thought it was a, a very bad acting challenge. I didn't love it. I didn't follow it. I didn't hate all of the performances though. Like I, 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 I did think that like Spanky stood out in it. Uh, I thought that. You know, you, you we also got a very good lip sync. I thought that it also set up nicely the kind of the storyline that, that Queen Kong was going to be on because you kind mm. of saw Queen, you know, a little bit 
you know, not do fantastic in that first week and then sort of like, you know, fall on her face a little bit in the second week. So you got like that whole sense of like in her head kind of a thing. And I did love that I touched myself lip sync. I thought the I touched myself yeah. lip sync was brilliant. Mm-hmm. It was so, so good. And it kind of like gave you a vision of like, oh, this is Queen Kong and what they're going to, to be able to do. Um, Lots of mid-air barrel rolls. That, I mean, that's that is, real. that's the Queen Kong move. You know, it is it like, is. it is actually, it is like Donkey Kong. Like, get that barrel and throw <laughs> it at the assembled bad guys that are coming at you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to, to find a new move, but she did it and she did it at nauseum. She, she absolutely did. End. She trademarked. She is the first drag queen to get a trade, what's that, a, a, a copyright? A patent. Yeah. She patented Pat- the move. <laughs> Yeah, it's named after her. <laughs> so the, the the first really good challenge I thought was we kind of already mentioned last week's episode the the brunch hosting challenge. I just really enjoyed all eight of them. Yeah, all the duos thought they were all very fun. I I mean I know that they've had like challenges like they've had the roast or they they had like the awards show stuff. They haven't. I I don't feel like this. I felt like this is the first time I've seen this format of of challenge like this kind of mm. like you are kind mm. of like doing the the actual job that a drag queen does and i was like this should be a challenge that happens every season this should be something that they, they get to like pair up and they they host a brunch they host a bingo they host a you know what like something with like they should be doing that every single season because i think that it's actually testing a skill that drag queens have to have and it's yeah, yeah I, I i loved it for me this was the this was the episode for like i had the first two, I, I, this is for me the episode where I was like, oh, this is actually at like much higher level than the first season in terms of the way the production are building the challenges, what they're testing. How like I, I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, definitely, and you you get to see them like kind of how you're going to see them out in the wild, which is kind of what you're intrigued about because it's such a artificial setup this reality TV show to see like a glimpse of like what you're going to get if you go to a Spanky Jackson show. Or uh, Mini Cooper and Queen Kong show was just really compelling, and I guess it's the one man show format, but just doubled up because yeah. they were all about tell us about yourself and Hannah and Molly wanting to be a clown and a priest and stuff like that. So, but yeah, it worked, and I really enjoyed it. No, absolutely. Uh, also, second of our our Kylie lip syncs. You know? Yeah, years and years, and Kylie, which is like I don't think I'd actually heard that version with Kylie on it that she's just tacked on. I like that would be my more listened to version of that song. Um, but I did also think like, you know, there are lots of other people that you could be like, I, I was very surprised. I was like, if you're going to give us like a second Kylie lip sync this early into it, like, you know, there's so many classics mm. that, that you could have, um, we, we could have gone for, but also just like a more of a range of, I'm trying to think now, like what, what I would have liked in there. It's not going to come to me because I'm not a Spotify playlist. But I, I, I did sort of feel like the lip sync songs lacked a bit of imagination. Like it kind of was like, oh, what's kind of hanging hanging around at the moment. But he, even that Sophie was a Sophie Monk or something was one of the women they had on the phone who appeared to be a singer. Give us a song from her. Yeah, you know? like I said, Holly Valance, Delta Goodrum. We had the Veronica's last season. That was, that was great. Brilliant. I'm sure there's more Veronica's you could do. Um, you know, like you said, Danny Minogue, Troy Savan. Like, there's plenty of really good Australian artists. Get them to do a lip sync to the Home and Away theme tune. Yes. 
or would it like a, a monologue from it? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, no that that would be uh, that would be quite good. The bit or an Australian Eurovision song, Defying Gravity. Oh yes, no, that would be good. But all right, like it just it feels like you know when say when you're watching Canada's Drag Race, they are um, when you're watching Canada's Drag Race. Like you're getting to find these unique kind of new uh, Canadian songs or be reminded of songs that maybe you heard like a mm. couple of times before. And it's always like this sort of it's it's almost like a, it's, a, it's a spotlight on something that is from their territory. And I wonder if that's one of the, the drawbacks of having like Michelle and Rue is that like these are so- they want them to be songs that they're aware of. And therefore you can't go like that obscure or you don't. Lord. Have... That where has Lord been? Lord above, where are you? <laughs> I was too busy thinking about Australia. I, I totally neglected New Zealand. <laughs> Lord, I mean, uh, honestly, we need a lip sync to Brian McFadden and Delta Gutram all, almost here. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what an iconic sign. Or yeah, I totally just, agree. or just Brian McFadden's "Just the Way You Are" out of the bar. That classic <laughs> cons- consent phobic song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they dropped the ball and even like like maybe there is a, another reason why they chose the beginning by RuPaul but like when I heard that I was like come on guys you've dropped the ball you've a, you're only season two into this franchise there's a wealth of music from your country and these are just the musicians that I know who've broken out of Australia I'm sure there's loads of local gay icons you could use absolutely um, so yeah but I, like I, I'm I trying to think if we had like, like I mean even if they didn't like if they didn't want to to go with song, if they didn't want to go with 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 music that's like just from Australia, there's lots of songs that have been made iconic through their use in Australian media, like anything to do mm. with Baz Luhrmann, Priscilla Queen of the Desert, Muriel's Wedding, lots of ABBA. I mean, they, I, I mean, it is sort of shocking that they still haven't had an ABBA song on. I'm assuming that when we get to Drag Race Scandinavia, that's literally the one thing that they have. <laughs> like that is yeah. that is literally the single tiny carrot on a very big stick. Let me run through the season one lip sync songs because I think they, they did a better job. So they had the Bee Gees, which you find out like they were born in Australia, that's fine. Or they, they grew up in Australia. They had RuPaul's song second. Then they had Peaches and Herb, Danny Minogue, Vanessa Amorosi, classic, mm-hmm. uh, Kylie, Veronica's, Olivia Newton John. Much better selection, I think, than this season. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you think, like, okay, the Snatch Game episode, Dance in the Dark by Lady Gaga, I'm like, that's not even a Lady Gaga song that like, I mean, actually, no, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to piss on that because sometimes a deep cut, a deep cut song from mm. an artist is a really fun lip sync because you just would never have thought about it. But it's just like, what is the relevance of that here? Like, why have you selected that particular song for now? Like, what, what, what does it say about the season or, or where it's from? And I, I really was, yeah, I don't know. It felt like, it felt like they could have, they, they could have been more creative. Based on the name of the show, the fact that they haven't done Men at Work Down Under is also an, over, uh, uh, also yeah, an oversight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get on to the Snatch Game. You mentioned that they're, you know, they kind of had a bit of re, you know, rep- reputation recoup to do following the disaster of season one. Second Sia sure is Australian. Yeah, yeah, she is, yeah. And Iggy Azalea. Yeah. I mean, you know, but still. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you can anyway. fancy him. Anyway, where is Jason uh, Donovan? Um, where's his? Where's his? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, other than like, I think they were, like you said, 
in last episode, there was two people operating on a different plane. You have Dame Edna and you had Eliza Minnelli and everyone else wasn't great. No, you, you everyone else was 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 down near the bottom of the pack. I, I do think Beverly Kills Val Garland was uh, like it was for me the, the the weakest of them all. Like it was it it it's like was even lacking like the the like I just think if you're going to be so it's like in the 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 peppermint era of of Drag Race uh, mm. season nine where she didn't do her bloop actually had a Nini leaks on this season too, but. I, I just, and I don't think that Nini, Nini links blooped, did she? No, I don't think she did. Um, I, I just think that Nini Leaks is just too much of a character in and of herself without... Yeah, kind of, I think you so. Know, and I think that's that's true of a lot of housewives. Like, it has to be a very particular type of person for it to be fun to see a version of them and not just them being mm-hmm. them. Um, but no, I, I think that, that, that Val Garland and Orville Peck were the, were, were the worst in that. And I actually do think that on reflection because I think I did contradict this in last week's episode perhaps Ellen DeGeneres didn't involve didn't belong in the in the bottom two I, I don't think she did I think that, yeah, that it I don't think she did I think she was bottom three bottom three yeah I, I also think the clown look from uh, Minnie Cooper was better than the, the lion tamer look from uh, Beverly Kills now I guess it was like she was the only one who did anything that wasn't really a clown I think yeah. but uh, I, I just didn't love it um. Yeah, they were, those two were the two that were floundering the most for me because I think we had one good. I'm Alan, you know, and I think even even like as an audience member, you know, we had a catchphrase from this parody of her, which was kind of fun. Yeah. There was a lot of Tammy Brown energy from Mini Cooper. We didn't say it last week. Oh but it was, it was yeah, very there, very very there, kind of, but like evil Tammy Brown. You know, just to be brave. You know, she didn't. She didn't just find a body. She put it there, um, and, she, and she could have. I think she, if she did Tommy Brown, she could have just been her weird self, and it would have worked better. I, I mean, we did see a truly spectacularly bad version of Tammy Brain from Angeria Paris Van Michaels yeah. uh, earlier this year. So maybe we didn't need that either. But I do think that Orville Peck is like a bonkers bad choice like yeah it is just like why would you pick like someone who's famously kept their personality out of the limelight uh, so difficult to parody yeah it obviously was just like this is going to be visually something that people will recognize this is going to be visually something that like a small percentage of people will recognize and you know I don't know. Like I, I, I would love to understand the thought process behind that. Here I am. I am Greg. What's his face from uh, <laughs> O'Shea. Greg O'Shea? What was your thought process behind say picking mm. that Molly? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. To make much sense. Um, but I do think yeah, that so overall, overall, I, I, I probably would have, I, I would have preferred if Barry Humphreys had won over over Liza okay. because I, I thought Think Liza was, better. I, I thought Liza was brilliant but I, I just thought I don't know and maybe this is me being a bit kind of you know uh, unfair in my estimation because it's Drag Race Down Under I'm just thinking like that was such an expert portrayal of an Australian icon it was never seen before on Drag Race but it was so well done that I just feel like there, there should have been a little extra oomph given to it just for the fact that it was mm. I don't know unique new and also Australian well Australian yeah I felt it like I thought it was very good but I felt it was too down the line like 
Whereas you found Liza had found that game of making her an inaudible sort of scatter. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas, you know, that was always instantly funny and she could do that for like three minutes and you'd still be laughing. Whereas it was a more sort of true impersonation that was less fun with it, possibly. Yeah. But yeah. I do, I wanted it to win. I wanted, but I didn't think it, I think it was outplayed, unfortunately. <sighs> well... What can, oh, well, what can we do? Um, what can we do? <laughs> we kind of spoke about Buzz and Buddies, but actually, I was impressed with the song, and actually, I thought it was two good performances overall. Like I thought, they you know there wasn't a um, filth harmony or a what was the season two team that lost oh, God. the United Queen Dolls. United Queen Dolls. Yeah. Was the UK? Did they not win the UKD? No, oh, maybe they did. Okay. Who were the other team then? Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, yes. I thought they were actually pretty close. But again, Hanaconda and the Queen um, Kong and Spanky Jackson, like they were the top three. So they, of course they were going to do the best. Yeah. And also, I mean, I think that just because we were kind of talking about kind of the relevance that ties the lip sync song to <coughs> the, um, the ties, the... The ties to kind of lip sync into the rest of the episode. Mm. I think the fact that there was like bolts and belts and buckles and whatever on the runway and then having the chain song as a kind of a yeah and again I was like this it was so strange they did such a good job there yeah. <laughs> the next episode was the beginning by RuPaul yeah exactly um, but I, I actually I like uh, this was a really good episode as well I enjoyed both versions of that song I do think that the Babs 2 one was was uh, was was better and I think that like mm. even at that moment you kind of were saying okay well this is our top three this is going to be the, the three queens that, that like end up in the, yeah. in, the, in, the in the finale um, and it's one I've actually gone back to listen to a couple of times which is mm. you know less and less likely for these these tracks on, on, from, from yeah. Drag Race um, I also would say that like so Yuri Guy went home in this episode Yuri Guy got voted Miss Congeniality we never see it because that was one of the things I'm going to say I missed in the finale was like a revisit from the queens of the yeah. the, the, the like the, the finale the looks yeah yeah um, and then we didn't actually get to see Yuri Guy win the 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 um, Miss Congeniality I was sort of surprised by that because I don't feel like they had yeah. made that sort of an impact but then when they went home like it felt like we had two episodes of weeping, like of mourning for them. <laughs> that I was just like, "Where did this come from?" <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Like I thought, we we rarely saw nothing. But again, like it could just be all behind the scenes. You know that that nice person who's helping people out, who's giving them their makeup and stuff like that. Um, you know, Anita Wiglet won in season one, and I think that was yeah. You could see that more so, the more nurturing. Um, but again, like I think that was just the issue with Yuri was that they were struggling to come across on camera. It, it was it was interesting as well because after after they had gone home, the, there was a conversation in the workroom about people are like, oh, you know, people don't like some people don't think that they belong here. Some people don't think that they are. Um, some people don't think that their their drag is is belongs in this setting or something. So, like it was it was interesting, I suppose, to in that way see. A group of drag queens talking with a degree of sadness about the way an, a drag audience perceives mm. what is and isn't drag. They obviously all felt that Yuri was amazing and that what Yuri did was, was <clears throat> spectacular. What they felt like is obviously outside of that, they were aware that Yuri maybe either doesn't get seen as being 
a like a, a, a legitimate queen or doesn't get given the same respect as some of the rest of them. So it was an interesting kind of like perspective to have. Snake eating itself almost. Yeah. Aspect of it. Yeah, no, totally true. And actually, what I found interesting afterwards was that because I, I don't know. Did you know who won before you watched the finale? I had seen spoilers before I watched the finale. Okay. Um, I managed to totally avoid all spoilers. The only thing I had seen was Queen Kong's entrance look. Um, so, but um, it turns out that Spanky Jackson also won House of Drag, which was the New Zealand-based drag competition reality show run by Anita Wiglet and Keita Mean. She won season two of that, and she beat Electra Fence, who was the runner-up. So Electra Shock. <laughs> Electra Shock. Electra yes. Fence did not leave Wales to go to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Electra Shock. Sorry. Um, so like, it's interesting how like how much of a community there is there between those four queens, you know, who yeah. like, like those two competed on their show, and now they're competing with them in this franchise and stuff, which I think is is kind of interesting. Episode six had the hometown ads challenge. And I normally don't really enjoy the marketing challenges. I kind of feel they're a bit fluff. You might get one good moment, but I thought this was really good. I loved Hanaconda punching a black swan or black goose or whatever it was. I loved Spanky Jackson's chippy 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 rah. I just thought this this is the magic of this cast. Like the cast are so charismatic. These are all very fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think like I I agree. I Beverly Kill or no Hanaconda and Spanky Jackson's were in like the the, the top echelon top, top, uh, yes. i liked i liked molly poppins one as well and then queen kong and beverly because like, it, it was it yeah. was obvious like where people were falling within them but mm-hmm. middle perth it's not perfect it's not perfect but it's hot i was like it was it was so so funny like and you're right like the the kind of the the sort of knowingness of some of the the innuendo the like punching mm. the black swan the throwing the piece of bread it was just it was so so funny i loved it and like it just it was one of those moments as well for me watching it where you just saw the like expertness in in hanaconda's makeup like Mm. it feels like every look that she put out over the course of the entire season was good enough for like an instagram photograph of a drag queen that obviously has taken like 17 hours to create if you know what i mean (laughs) but also she Mm. was so funny and so clever and i also really did enjoy spanky's i thought it was yeah it was very good because there's there's, like there's different types of humor and and hannah definitely had that you know off the cuff humor that we see in the talking heads she's obviously able to improv to a certain degree and do impersonational humor which is what we see in the snatch game but the fact that she could like write and create and produce this short film almost of just comedic gold really she's a really big comedic yeah. mind and she's probably is a comedy queen we just haven't really been viewing her because her looks have been so good yeah and again it kind of does make the point that while spiky jackson i think is a really great revolutionary moment for the franchise as a winner she is a winner who you can see has areas to work on yeah you don't really know what hannah Conda has to work on other than she's kind of the total package already no absolutely um yeah and i i I do think that that will come out like i think that 
there's an opportunity for Hannah Condonay to take part in another season where they mm. will get to be in front of a bigger audience where I think that they will hold their own very well alongside queens who are coming from from other areas I, I do think Molly Poppins one of the things that made me like laugh out loud was when Reese kind of read them for like oh I don't know because like you know it, where like it's like oh, I didn't really understand your ad and Rue was like oh no I, I understand I got the brief you hate Newcastle like I thought it was very <laughs> funny um <laughs> But yeah, the can we just pause for a moment of appreciation for Reese Nicholson because we haven't done it yet, and he's one of the best things about it. Oh, absolutely, he is. He is like top tier, like drag race judge. Like he is. Like yeah. the fact that there is no guest judges because you, you barely notice the fact that there's no um that there's no guest judges throughout it because I think that he is so funny and just so witty like you actually feel, like I would go and see him doing stand up I feel like he is mm-hmm. someone I would love to see I want him to do, do judge swap I want him to send Reese Nicholson to the to the UK to do an episode of that and then then, then Graeme Norton down under for an episode or two Reese is better than Carson and Ross combined I think absolutely he is he is he is definitely better than the two of them combined but I do think like yeah. all of the like I think Reese Graham and Alan are all better than than Carson and Ross combined yeah, we so we haven't done a Canada three yet, but I loved Brad too. Like some of the Canadian oh, Brad ones is really, really good. good. Yeah, no, Brad is great. Yeah. I yeah, I was I was focusing more on the roulette ones, but you are right. Like Brad is yeah. Brad is is great, and you know what? Our squirrel friend, she's grown on Tracy me. Melcher. She's grown on Tracy me. Tracy Tracy Melcher? Melcher. Tracy Melcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Even those uh, makeover challenge. You mentioned last week you weren't overly happy with it. Do you want to expand? Yeah, and now this is like okay, so. I I feel like as if another franchise's to make over challenge has been used to make a very powerful point about issues within the community that we need to work on, whether it's like gender identity and sort of protection of queer youth, whether it's speaking about the needs of like, you know, LGBTQ people coming from more marginalized communities. And I just felt like it literally was a case of some hot guy called Keelan gets asked to bring his family in. And then like, it wasn't even as if there had been a journey for him to be accepted by his family. Cause it was like in the walkthrough, Rue was like, Oh, and how was it for you coming out? And he was like, Oh, it's fine. Like everyone was really supportive. My family all mm. love it. And it was like, not that like you want kind of, you know, some like, you know, stone faced, miserable homophobe dragged into the room in order to kind of, you know, get, get put into drag or something. But I just felt like, these are the sort of people you always see getting the opportunities within the queer community. It is tall, fit, cute, cute, white, gay men. And it's like, Mm. we had this, I think last year where you had the, wasn't it the rugby team, I think was the makeover challenge. Mm. And it's like, again, it is a set of kind of like, there is like the lead character within the episode is a very traditionally, handsome privileged cisgendered white gay man and he is sort of like coming from a place of having had enormous privilege and not adding anything new to the dialogue or not anything and not giving you anything else to talk about in fact if you were a person who was watching that from outside of the queer community and this was kind of like what like what are you taking away from it other than this guy came out had a really supportive family was he seems like a bit of a tool to be honest with you and like the the only person in the family that i really kind of had a like a like i wanted to know more about tyler and sister kong but i just felt like there was better stories they could have te- used this this uh this challenge to tell and and yeah. I, 
I didn't enjoy it as a result of that. And it's, and it's I agree. I was curious to know what Keelan's going to actually think of the episode because he's kind of been like, oh, it's me, it's my family. I got brought my family onto this show. And then it's like the older men are like, oh, you know, well done. And Tyler, so well done for like you're breaking out of your mold. And then Keelan's just, he's a bit annoying. He has opinions. Yeah. And he is annoying. And when I actually found it really annoying when Molly was clearly going through something with the makeup and she's like, now none of that negative talk. I was like, I would throw you out the window for yeah, that yeah as well especially as well because like you see in, in the earlier parts of that episode where like Molly was like this is what the <clears> looks <throat> are I've brought these looks from home um, and these are the, the concept we're going for and it, and like it, it then for him to be like oh no but I do and like you can tell in his mind he's like oh no I want a sickening drag photograph to put on my Instagram and I want to look like a, a hot bitch I want to look like a Gigi Good or mm. I want to look like you know, sort of like a Simone has has done me up or something like that. Like I want to be the like sexy, strappy kind of you know amazing drag queen. I don't want to be the kooky comedy queen, which is kind of who who they were kind of partnered with. And then I think you know they were a little bit kind of frustrated by that. And then that frustration I think probably spilled over into into Molly's um in, into Molly's experience. And yeah, I I just like take take a note out of Canada's book in terms of the the um the makeover challenge you, you know it's an opportunity to tell a new and unique story from within the queer community and to bring a new perspective to things and this didn't do that in any way yeah it was just like yeah. the same privileged white guy with muscles and you know the same traditionally handsome cisgendered white gay guy gets the opportunity ahead of everyone else yeah, I I, I thought the, the the story of the dad and the uncle was was definitely more interesting, and Rue seemed to think that as well. Uh, yeah. But in the same way, it was like, you know, thank you for being here. It was like, had he not already been in drag once before at his three gay sons? It was like, you know, he was kind of an easy choice to choose. Yeah, he, he, you know, no, and, I, choose. and I know, like Jesus, it's it's difficult like to to get people to share their stories, particularly if it's been a like a traumatic one, and you know, kind of you know, you're you're probably not going to find a family Mm. where there's been years of strife that's been like fully completely resolved and where you're going to get like a perhaps a parent who's been on a journey to accept their child to want to go on television and say oh yeah i was a real cunt about this for a while and now i'm yeah you're 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 going to struggle to find that story to tell but like i don't know kind of this story I, I was just like, if you can't find that story, which is the compelling one that will teach people something about what it is, what acceptance is, don't tell this one. <laughs> you know? So then that brings us to the finale, which was to RuPaul's song, Who Is She? And again, kind of liked it. Oh, yeah, definitely really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I think that like this was a very, this was a, a, a solidly predictable paint by numbers we do this we do this we do that mm-hmm. uh, uh, tic tac lunch electroshock coming back was a bit of a shock it was yeah it was i liked to see it and also she was not going easy on on the queens no. like which i enjoyed i was like good for you girl like because she's now mm. a judge on new zealand like new dancing, zealand, with, the dancing stars. with the stars yeah new zealand yeah, so obviously so. she's like no i know a thing or two um but yeah i i i, I thought it was the the only thing i felt like this 
episode was missing was the runway walk from the eliminated queens mm. i'm assuming that that was like a covid thing that that like they, they once they'd left the bubble they weren't able to come back into it or or something along those lines but you know uh other than that i thought it was it was a fairly solid like standard finale these finales are never that interesting i, I do think though agreed i'm I am gagging for a... I'm not gagging for... But I definitely missed the live finale episode. Like, I think, yeah. like, you know, I, I'm hoping now that they introduce it for the likes of UK or that they introduce it for some of these overseas things. They've gone long enough now, I think, that they can bring... They've got the the Even all-stars. Yeah, like, it would be... It brings so much more energy to what is always a very formulaic kind of and it's always fun to see Rue do live like you know yeah. semi-live TV because he's so stilted yes exactly wow I love that <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I agree yeah. that'd be good to see yeah what were some of your favourite looks of the season um, I, 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 a lot of my favourite looks were from the same two queens Hanaconda and Yuri Guy unsurprisingly because I would describe them mm-hmm. as being probably the two look queens I think that um, Hannah's sort of like flapper 1920s uh, insect look was Mm -hmm. stunning i also really enjoyed yuri's insect look that kind of like psychedelic praying mantis beautiful Mm -hmm. Uh, i loved yuri's red for filth look i thought it was just like beautiful and i loved hannah's red for filth look as well it was really nice um, and then yeah. both of their belts and braces uh, ones I thought were, were lovely. For Hannah more so, the, I think the makeup on Hannah's belts and braces look was just, like, it it, it looked like a, an Instagram filter. It was so perfect. Um, but yeah, mm. both of them, I, I, I think that, I mean, I, I enjoyed some of Minnie's looks. Like, I loved the kind of, like, blue, uh, the monarch butterfly or whatever that one was. I thought that was, that was really, really nice. Um, Queen's b- b- look walking into the workroom was 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 very clever as well. But I I don't Qu- Queen's finale look I love. Oh, with the I like that kind was of the best Pam finale. Though. Yeah, no, that yeah. yeah, that was that was solidly great. In her, I thought she's like Samoan and Tongan empress that she was going for. Like I thought was 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 really really amazing. Um, would you say the runway standard was higher than last year? I don't. I no. think a bit. Like I think it, like it was sort of it was still very hit or miss. Like I'm trying to think back mm. to kind of like who who stood out to me last year as like even when say Ketamine came out to do like the, the the handover, I was like like that's a very through line and kind of like what her drag is. It's kind of like a sort yeah. of a I don't know like an anime sort of princessy kind of over the top thing. I was like so that sort mm. of is is what you um, Art, Art Simone had some good looks last year. Yeah, Art was probably the best of it last year um and like etc etc had that kind of mantle of being like the like really polished princess look hmm. um but yeah i would say that the standard and scarlet was, scarlet adams had some good looks too i think so she was but, yeah well she we was, couldn't read for her yeah she was also like a lot of her looks were very similar because it was just sort of like i'm a very tall skinny person so i'm just going to like yeah it. true but i know but for that she did put on some great looks i do think that they were more there was a more of a variety and more interesting looks over the course of the season and there were queens who had different and more interesting perspectives because <laughs> like have sort of you know molly and hannah i suppose like rapping for that kind of like plus size but doing so in a way that was kind of like polished was was interesting to see because you don't like outside of the likes of like eureka harge and jermyn you don't necessarily see that i think that queen kong was an interesting kind of 
contestant in the in a lot of, I actually didn't like a lot of the things she wore on the runway I think she bookended it really well good entrance look good finale look and everything else a lot know. of it was just yeah, yeah a lot of it was just kind of like like jumpsuits kind of things yeah yeah didn't love them um, which is interesting again I think that's something like if she went onto the world stage now with more money I'm sure she could turn in a fantastic look yeah just I don't know she had brought what she had with her so that's it down under season two any other thoughts did you did you enjoy the Kiora Queens Aussie 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 wait, every wait, single wait. episode uh, yeah go on I kind of liked give it, it yeah. give it them I mean like you know we don't we don't get something like that in the UK I was trying to think is there something that um, that, that Rue does there there was uh, Babe hello babe hey babes alright babe yeah I it it definitely was an improvement on the first season and would make you somewhat sort of excited to see what a season three might look like. Did you enjoy Rue's cape? What cape did Rue wear? <laughs> on episode four, you wore a cape. Let me go back here. Episode four. I think I wrote a note in my pod- in my notes to say we are a Rue Cape podcast. But episode uh, four was Snatch know. Game. Okay, let's see Rue's Snatch Game look. Um, maybe I'll find it. Maybe I won't. Why did they show us Rue's looks in these things? That's terrible. Oh yeah, I see. Yes, I did enjoy that. I mean, yeah. it <laughs> felt after- kind of like, like it does look a little bit sort of like a Red Riding Hood. Yeah, I don't know. It was an unusual choice. Zaldi clearly <laughs> running out of ideas. I don't think Zaldi. I don't think the Down Under team have the budget for Zaldi for this season. I don't think he does all of them. I thought that Zaldi did like all of Rue's looks regardless, but that would make more I sense. Think- yeah, I think it's where the budget is. I really like the first episode he had, like, an asymmetrical kind of almost, like, cheetah print, but it was really artsy. Yes, yeah. I liked that one. And then the cape was so costumey, like, I, but I did appreciate it. Made the best woman win, and as he turned, he, like, flipped the cape with him. I thought yeah. that was kind of fun. Um, the most cutting line of the season for me was, are you considered funny by your friends? Because... <laughs> That's asked and answered. That you know, you don't need an answer to that. The answer is no. Yeah. The answer is they're lying if they say yes. <laughs> uh. um, so overall, I enjoyed it. Would I have enjoyed it as much if I watched it week to week? Not sure. Really enjoyed it for a binge to get through. You know, to watch it back to back. Really fun characters to get to know in there. Different perspectives on drag that get highlighted in ways that other seasons don't. I give it a thumbs up. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I think that they took a lot of the criticism that they got in the first season and were like obviously free of a number of the shackles though perhaps not all of the shackles of COVID and were able to mm-hmm. put on like a good season it felt like the there was there was a be- there was more consistency in the challenges um, in, in terms of like actually kind of creating challenges that were fun for queens to do and for us to watch Yeah, and that there was a good mix of a crowd so I yeah I yeah, I enjoyed the season overall. I, I think that it was a good redemption for the Down Under franchise and definitely one that I'll watch the next season of, or at least the first episode to see what the queens are. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back with you in the workroom relatively soon. But until then, thank you for supporting us and we'll see you over the main feed. Bye. Bye. Bye.